internet. I'm Bianca Akbiak. And I'm Zoe Rodriguez. And we're the hosts of Beyond the Balcony, aka where theater kids go to geek out between shows. Join us today as we take on the easy breezy topic of the depiction of race in musical theater. <gasps> Please don't cancel us. More specifically, we want to talk about the practice of race-blind casting and discuss its role in diversifying Broadway. To help us have a broader perspective on this topic, we have brought along some friends, JJ Javier and Lauren Cintron. They're both young performers of color, and we've known them for quite a few years now. We'll let them introduce themselves in a minute. Before we get there, we want to give a quick disclaimer. This discussion is not a complete one. It is solely based on our own experiences and research that we have gathered. As two white passing individuals, we cannot fully encompass all areas of the experience of performers of color, nor do we attempt to. We also do not mean to speak for all artists of color. No community has a monolithic voice, and this discussion certainly should not be held to that expectation. We feel that it is important to contribute to and encourage further discussions of this topic. It is something everyone in theater needs to talk about. For more resources, stick around for our curtain call segment or check out the episode description where we will spotlight organizations and activists working towards racial justice and equity in the theater community. Welcome to our little balcony. Curtains up. So before we begin this very chill, super easy discussion, we have some introductions. Lauren and JJ, who are you? What do you do? What's your favorite idea for a meme musical? Oh, okay. All right. So. Hello, my name is Lauren Cintron. I am currently studying theater at college, so I'm an inspiring actress, so I'm inspiring to be broke. Um, and the, my future goals is to open a theater company with these lovely ladies I'm talking to, so I like to produce, direct, yada, 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 and definitely make, uh, I definitely want to give a voice to people of color in our industry because it's very slim pickings right now. And for a <laughs> meme musical, oh boy, hear me out, hear me out. Oh God. John Wick the musical. Okay, I know, <laughs> sounds wild, <laughs> sounds weird, we but I coming. feel like this could be a comedy that could be around for the ages. You know, this would be our next Shakespeare. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like we, we, there could be a God. song dedicated to the dead dog. But the only problem is Keanu Reeves has to play Keanu Reeves like a derm. But I feel if you go anywhere in New York and go to like a sad bunch bench, there he is. You can ask him and we know he'll do it. So that's oh my me. God. <laughs> All right, JJ. Keanu Reeves okay. don't add us. Um, hi, my name is JJ Javier. That's not my real name, but that's my name. Um, so I am a student at a college. <laughs> I'm not great at introductions. Uh, I'm 19. I've been doing theater for, I think, eight years coming up, or is. Uh, I used to want to be an actor, but after seeing all the revolutions going on, I realized that that's not what I should be doing. I should be giving the voice to other people, to other people of color. So I want to be a director, I think. But I'm mostly focused on design and, like, costume and sets right now. Um, my favorite idea for me musical actually came from... It's a very long story, but essentially it came from our good friend Zoe Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and hear me out, 
Animal Crossing the musical. The biggest phenomenon. (laughs) It'll take place in Animal Crossing. And we will have Isabel finally get the solo she deserves. And um, Tom Nook will be secretly in love with Red. And it'll just be amazing. Like, don't at me. Uh, No one take my idea. I will be writing it. Thank you. But yeah, that's me. (laughs) awesome so now that we have all the players in the game we need to read the rules or rather define some key concepts non-traditional casting or blind casting is defined as the practice of casting without considering the actor's ethnicity skin color body shape sex and or gender for this discussion we will be looking at just the practice of race slash colorblind casting. What we want to do for this discussion is kind of go through some specific examples, so specific actors who have been uh, colorblind cast in roles, and then we'll look at certain shows that tend to utilize colorblind casting. And then we're going to move on to casts that are fully colorblind. So yes, things like Hamilton. And then we're going to talk about something that's Becoming more known more recently, something called race-conscious casting. But we'll talk about that much later. So to start with, Bianca, what have we got? So our first example of a person who quite frequently gets casted colorblindly um, is Audra McDonald. Um, Two things that she has been in that that really stand out stand it out, stood out to us, are um, her playing the character of Carrie in Carousel and playing Olivia in Twelfth Night. And if you know anything about Twelfth Night, the character of Olivia is royalty. And she is described as a white person. If you don't know who Audra McDonald is, she is a black woman and iconic. Um, This is true. (laughs) And so I just thought it was really fascinating that they decided to cast Audra McDonald, who's a black woman, as this character who is almost always played by a white person. And it kind of shifts, I guess, the definition and the view of what beauty is in terms of that world. And I think that really has a positive impact on the story, personally. Yeah, I think if we're going to move on to the to the other example that we have from Audra, uh, Carousel, uh, she played the role of Carrie, um, who is not the lead. She's actually a supporting um, character. She's my favorite character in the musical, which is kind of a low bar. I'm not a big <laughs> Carousel person. But Carrie is a really fun role, and I think it is a much more spunky role so you know i think it's fine i don't know it's hard for me to talk about carousel i had to write like i don't know three or four pages about it in one of my classes it's fine (laughs) (laughs) what every person wants to hear about their musical it's fine (laughs) i mean she won a tony for it oh damn really yeah yeah i think that's the thing with these roles is that, like, regardless of whether or not, like, we think it's cool, 
like that's what Tony voters want to see. Like people who win awards are people who are playing these super typical roles. I think Lindsay Mendez also won her Tony for playing Carrie in yeah. Carousel. <laughs> so this like these are the roles that people want to see in terms of like uh like the the pinnacle of success in this industry. Anyway, moving on to our next person, Zoe. Yes. So moving on to the next person, we have Mr. Norm Lewis. Theater icon, been around forever. So the three major roles we want to talk about in terms of him are when he was Phantom in Phantom of the Opera, when he was uh, Javert in Les Mis, in the Les Mis concert specifically, the, the 2010 filmed concert. Yes, the one with Nick Jonas. <laughs> and <laughs> finally, Wait. when... Yes, Nick Jonas was in it. Oh my god, I didn't know that part. That's weird. <laughs> oh my god. Is that the one with Leia Salonga? Yes, it yes, is the one with Leia Salonga. That I'm thinking about. Yes, Leia Salonga's... Okay, I'm not even going to get into <laughs> As that. As we should. God. <laughs> and then the final role of his that we want to talk about was when he played Sweeney Todd in Sweeney Todd. Love it. Love Sweeney Todd. Fantastic role. So... I think the one we really want to focus on for this example is Phantom. Yes. Now, Phantom is one of the biggest roles on Broadway, especially for that kind of like baritone leading man type. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Norm Lewis got to be the Phantom is fantastic, obviously. However, the fact, I think where things get a little sketchy is when you apply racial tropes to the Phantom story. So a really old trope in cinema and just in our culture as a whole is the idea that black men are predators of white women. This is something that goes back to the birth of cinema with the the first blockbuster, um, Birth of a Nation. And that's something that's been in our culture really for centuries. Mm-hmm. So when you have Norm Lewis, who's a black man, playing this role in which he is literally a predator who is chasing after this young white woman in the form of Christine, you do have to kind of take a step back and say, huh, we're heading into some tropey territory that we that was not intended by the actual book. It definitely is sticky. Yeah, because it's not something that you really think about, especially when you're watching something as beautiful and profound as Phantom of the Opera. Like, you're just yeah. enjoying the show. You're saying, oh, that's a very different, um, like, casting that you, would, you wouldn't think about. Yeah. But then when you, when you say, when, like, you point out that this does get into a trophy area, then I don't think it's at, I don't know. Especially in this day and age, like, someone like me, I would never have noticed it, but mm-hmm. it is something that people should be aware yeah. of, about. Yeah, it's definitely, it's something where it relies on, on the consciousness of the viewer, so, mm-hmm. like, it's not something that someone who's never heard of this trope or has never examined it would even necessarily think of, but someone who is familiar with this trope, whether they, they've had it applied to them or whether they've felt it in their everyday life, 
they would absolutely feel like, oh, this is something that I may not be comfortable with. Yeah. Especially since in our history, we've had men killed over looking, simply looking at white mm-hmm. women. Absolutely. And so I know if I was watching a black man playing Phantom, I probably, like what JJ's saying, I probably wouldn't even recognize it versus someone, let's say, who does have a racist tendency watching that show. That gives them a reason mm-hmm. to be like, oh, see, like, this is what happens. Even if it's just contributing to, like, an implicit bias they already have mm-hmm. based on the culture we live in. Like, it is something that, you know, exists in an outside context. Like, no art exists in a vacuum. Yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. what we're kind of trying to get at and why we want to talk about this issue of, of race-blind casting. That it's, it's great in a vacuum sense that people of color are getting these major roles. It's obviously great to see people of color succeed. But then when you apply tropes and stereotypes and the context of the world in which we live in to these roles, that's where you kind of have to balance out whether or not that's something you, like that's the, that should be the pinnacle of success or not. Like, is that what we want all actors of color to have to aspire to. Mm-hmm. And one thing I did want to talk about, in addition to Phantom, was Sweeney Todd. Because I was just thinking about it, and I was mm-hmm. thinking about how having an actor of color play Sweeney, instead of hurting um, like the whole race concept, I think it kind of helps the story a little bit having Sweeney be an actor of color, especially if you know the story and you know that when Sweeney was younger, his wife and daughter were essentially taken away from him by this judge who just was essentially Mm -hmm. a predator, really, and he just saw Sweeney's wife and was like, a pretty woman, I want her, I will take her. And then he attempts to marry Sweeney's daughter, who he adopted as his own, and so having him be a person of so color, I know, and like having, I feel like having Sweeney be a person of color kind of adds a little more depth to it, because I feel like yeah. this is something that would, has most likely definitely happened to people of color before, and I just feel like yeah. it I does think, something different. I think S- mm-hmm. Sweeney Todd also does a good job of examining the tropes mm-hmm. it uses, whereas phantom kind of relies on those tropes and just you know sees them to the end to the nth degree like that's just that's what the story is the story is just a bunch of tropes thrown together and put up on stage to like a rock opera soundtrack whereas you know (laughs) sweeney todd does really you know take more time out of the the book to kind of analyze how this has affected him it gives Sweeney more time to kind of think about his own situation and respond to it in a way that you know the audience identifies with and and can even sympathize with despite all the horrendous things that he ends up doing Mm -hmm. next person um is I I really hope I pronounced this correctly Ramin Karimloo yes um he is an Iranian Canadian actor who has played roles 
such as Phantom in Phantom of the Opera. Phantom Part 2. Um, Ange- <laughs> yes. Angel Ross <laughs> and Jean Valjean at different times in Les Mis. And he has also played Gleb in Anastasia. Yes. So the thing with Ramin is that although he is Middle East of Middle Eastern descent, he is white passing. Right. He is a light-skinned actor and he's kind of ethnically ambiguous oh we love he to could hear be it. a lot of things <laughs> oh my god um ethnically ambiguous. so like he can oscar isaac where are you <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> don't get me started <laughs> um but yeah so this one's kind of a more difficult one to pinpoint just because he is white passing right. But I mean, the same thing could apply for Phantom that applied with Norm Lewis, just because he is Iranian and there are there's a lot of yeah. stigma around people who are of Middle Eastern descent and things like that, and that could kind of play into confirming what people think that right. Middle Eastern people are, which most of the time is incorrect anyway. <laughs> It usually is. Um, like, you can't generalize a group as Muslims. I'm just going to say that it's a religion, not an ethnicity. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, but um, when it comes to him, because when I first saw a photo of him, I, I definitely thought he was white, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel that mainly in um, Hollywood, I'm not sure so much on theater, where it, Hollywood pretends, some companies pretend that they're all about diversity, but they're willing to throw in one diverse character who's super light-skinned. Like, I know I talked to JJ about this, where it's like, the CW does not care about diversity. They care about, oh, look, we have a diverse cast, even though they make um, the um, people of color secondary to secondary, versus HBO, they actually care about um, people of color's stories and even jj and i kind of have like a weird history with hbo because we auditioned for one of their shows oh my um, not god gonna say which one. don't even oh, get me no. started we, i don't think we're allowed to say which I one i forgot about this yeah no. don't get when, us sued i'm not no, gonna say won't. the name we're not saying the name but when we saw the cast list we saw that the people that especially jj's character it was very white looking and it was very and even the black guy in the show um, I'm not going to say the actor's name. He's, he's a light-skinned black person. My character was a super light-skinned Hispanic. And then JJ's, um, uh, the she character was... that JJ casted for, I mean, read for, was half white, half Asian. Yeah. She looked right. more on the, because I have, like, best friends who are, like, half white, half uh, Asian. And you can tell, like, at, at a degree that they are Asian, but mm-hmm. this person, like, it, it was kind of a hit on, like, myself. Because, like, I, all the directors that I've worked with, they were like, oh, you, you would be great if, anytime someone's asking for, like, an Asian character. Because I'm Filipino, but I look, I don't look Filipino. I'm, I'm pretty pale, which is another discussion to have. Of course. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't look like my ethnicity, but I look more Asian than this person does. Right. And I know that's something, I mean, that's even something that I've heard a lot. I, I am half Hispanic and I'm very light. 
I go in the sun and I just burn. <laughs> but I, I have heard that I'm not, like, I, I don't necessarily look Hispanic. But I also know that when I watch TV shows and I see, like, people who play Latina characters, they look a hell of a lot more like me than they do look like you, Lauren. And that's a lot of the problem right now. Yeah, if you go to L.A., they're going to look, like East L.A., they're going to look like me. They're not Mm going to look like you. I know it's a whole spectrum of colors, but... There should be more (laughs) diversity. (laughs) There should be much more of that spectrum being seen in the entertainment industry. And right now, there just isn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We had this discussion with another friend of ours. I don't know if I'm allowed to say her name, but... um, we we were talking about because we were watch she was watching a movie where it showed like a li- a lighter skinned um I don't remember I know there was one where it was supposed to be Asian but she was played by a Pacific Islander and there was mm-hmm. another I can't remember what the discussion was but I basically had the epiphany where if me or Lauren were casted in a in any show that we're saying that was saying like oh we want this ethnicity someone's out there somewhere will also say the same things about us yeah Mm -hmm. yeah there's definitely different layers to it there's definitely different kind of levels so that's i think we'll we'll talk about it more in the next two examples that we have where we're talking about colorism and you Mm -hmm. know who gets cast in these you know non-typical kind of casting examples I think the thing when we're talking Mm -hmm. about like Ramin Karamloo is that in terms of colorblind casting, like I don't think, obviously I don't know anything about his career. I don't know anything about him or what he's faced, but I don't think that his race or ethnicity has ever been a barrier to him getting roles. I don't think anyone has necessarily just like looked at him or like looked at a headshot and been like, you are not fit for this role because of this yeah factor. it's never stopped him obviously i, mean, I don't, don't know, but like i said i i don't know maybe maybe he has mm-hmm. faced that and that would be a whole other discussion to have because if we're looking at him and saying that oh he looks completely white passing and he's still facing that kind of backlash where people are saying that you know he doesn't fit these white roles then that's a whole other discussion yeah, to have. that's <laughs> That's an even bigger issue in which we need to fix our yeah. standards. <laughs> right? That's... Uh, yeah. This is... This is kind of off topic, not really, but I was watching this TikTok, and this Pakistani girl, she's super light-skinned, but she's colored. She was, like, saying that, oh, in my... People have been commenting, saying that I shouldn't be um, complaining because I pass mm-hmm. as a white girl. And she looks Pakistani, but she was saying the reason why I look like a quote-unquote white girl is because the the white culture, I don't want to say white culture, but Europeans, most likely Americans, are now tanning their skin and getting lip fillers. And basically, the new beauty is white people with ethnic Mm -hmm. features. And I think that's why maybe, um, that's a possibility why people are like, okay, of casting people of color that look white because mm-hmm. that's yeah, the that new kind of like beauty. ethnically ambiguous yeah. kind of look where you can tell they're not necessarily of European descent, but 
you can't really say that they are particularly dark-skinned. You can't necessarily pick out exactly where they're from. Did you mean me? It's so, it's <laughs> <laughs> so Bianca. <laughs> yeah, I'm Armenian, but everyone assumes I'm Mexican or some other kind of Middle Eastern. I've gotten Indian before. I get a, yeah, I have gotten really? Indian before. I don't even look Indian, like, really? at all. Like, Mexican, I get. <laughs> Indian, I do not. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. like, uh-huh. I just, it's hard for people to pinpoint what I am, and especially Armenia and, and well, yeah, but especially, like, Armenia and Armenians, they come in so many different shades of colors because of the Armenian diaspora, like, we all look very different based on where our families have gone after the genocide. And, like, I'm a lot more tan than most Armenians are, which is why I look Mexican. Um, (laughs) If I I was lighter-skinned, I probably wouldn't look as Mexican to people, honestly. Like, I'm darker than both of my parents, (laughs) which is weird. But, yeah, it definitely... It puts you in a weird place. (laughs) Yeah. And I know JJ and I have had conversations, too, on how do we feel if, let's say, there's a show and it's based on a Filipino person, but the cast of a Vietnamese Mm -hmm. person. Like, we talked about that before. Right, because that's a whole other layer of it. Yeah, for me personally, I just think it's fine if they learn the culture. I'm not the type of person that would get mad if I found an Argentinian who was playing the Mexican. If they learned the language, if they learned the culture, mm-hmm. I'm chill with it. Um, it also depends, you know. I would never be fine with a white person playing Maria in West Side Story. I'll never oh, be okay God. with that, and that's been done way too many times. Did you times. mean the movie? Yeah. I've, I've heard a story of that girl from Glee. I'm forgetting her name, but she, like, cried when oh. she didn't get the lead. Leah of, Michelle. Yeah, she cried. was like... I didn't oh get the God. lead in West Side Story. I've learned Spanish. Oh, I didn't know that's all it's like to be Puerto Rican. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and even, like, I'm probably contradicting myself. Um, sometimes, depending, really depending on the show, I feel like it, if it's written for a Puerto Rican, like I'm talking about West Side Story, if it's written for a Puerto Rican, I feel like mm-hmm. it should be played by a Puerto Rican just because our story is a little bit different compared to other Hispanics because yeah. we are a U.S. territory and we're considered it's American, very, but we'll never be accepted as American. So it's mm, like, that's yeah. a, like that's a whole different experience compared to other... Well, like, that could probably apply to Mexicans immigrating here, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the thing when you talk about, like, these really big, broad categories, like... Latino or Hispanic, um, like Asian American, like these are really monolithic titles for really a, a group that is super diverse. Mm-hmm. And and the categories are really complicated. Like I know that you use Hispanic. I prefer like a version of Latino. Mm-hmm. Like just the fact that we can't agree on a term <laughs> should tell you that we don't all agree. Yeah. <laughs> So that's why I'm and I think, kind of mixed where I'm like, oh, I'm fine if some if someone from a Spanish-speaking country plays a Mexican or a Puerto Rican, like someone that's my mm-hmm. race, where I'm fine with it. And there's other times where I'm like, no, this has to be played. I think it depends yeah. on storyline. And then it also, you also have the factor of like, 
if they're half that ethnicity, because I know that's something that I've struggled with. I'm only half Mexican-American, so it's something that I can't always connect to the stories that are about, you know, the Latino-American experience. Like, it is just different. So, obviously, I'm not aspiring to be an actor of any kind, but if I were going up for some of these roles, I know that somehow I'd probably be more likely to be cast, but I would fail to fully encompass and realize those stories because that's just not been my experience. I'm sure that I could then do more research and take the time to understand these stories, but I feel like it's also just more important to give those stories to the people they're about. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're moving on. JJ, what have you got? Okay, so I think a good example, or I don't know if it's a good example, but an example of colorblind casting is in a beautiful show that I I will forever love uh, (laughs) called Mean Girls the Musical. Of course. Um, It, uh, don't even get me started. Um, But, so it came out, what year did it come out? It was pretty recent. 2018? 2018? Yeah. I think that's when it debuted. Yeah. And honestly, like, as as an Asian person, I thought it was amazing seeing Gretchen Wieners being played by a person of color Mm -hmm. and um honestly like the original broadway cast was pretty caucasian i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie yeah i think most of the main characters i thought it was yeah um but i thought it was interesting that especially in the national tour um Mm -hmm. they had a lot of people of color like um adante he played aaron samuels um Adante, like, you know yeah. this guy, or... No! <laughs> Sorry, I'm like... Okay. Um, what's his... Um, Adante Carter. There you go. Um, he, he Adante played... Carter. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I, I was, like, blanking on his last name, but he played Aaron Samuels. Um, mm-hmm. Who played Gretchen Wieners? She was also a person of color. She's... I, Gretchen Wieners is generally always played by a person of color, I was going to say, she's kind of tracked as, as a person of color. Yeah. I think they, they usually switch up, like, whether... Mm-hmm. I think they, they have, like, different, like, people of color play it. So I know that, like, Asian women have played Gretchen Wieners. Mm-hmm. I know that... I think they've had, like, a couple Hispanic women come in and play mm-hmm. her. Yeah. I think, but... Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting, though, that even though a lot of the main cast is generally casted as Caucasian, they have... Uh, understudies and standbys who are people of color like for example um ashley de la rosa there you go right she played she played regina 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 george um Mm -hmm. but the thing that's pretty interesting though is uh there's an article that talks about colorblind casting Mm -hmm. and for the the like the breakdown for each character they essentially asked for all ethnicities that it wasn't like oh this person has to be white this person has to be um like if you read the breakdowns for the original regina george all it says is actor 18 and plus to play 17 regina is the queen bee of the plastics when she shines her light on you you feel like the most important person in the world uh blah 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 blah. but um that's pretty much it and ethnicity says all ethnicities so it doesn't specify anything it doesn't yeah um 
Interesting. I think it the the article also says something pretty interesting where Regina is supposed to be this like like this idol who embodies beauty and lists like the beauty standard. Mm-hmm. So and but I think it's also because of the movie, the original movie with Rachel McAdams. Yeah. She is a yeah. white girl. So mm-hmm. It's partly, it might be partly because of the movie that we're imprinted that Regina is a white girl, but also it could yeah. be in our culture where um, beauty is essentially whiteness. Right. I think it is mainly because of the movie and they want to be as truthful to the movie it is because yeah. Mean Girls was already the biggest thing and they're just adding on to its hype. And the girl who played Gretchen, she was already a person of color. Um, I don't, I think she might be black. I'm not sure about that, like, the original girl. So if you just added an Asian, switched out for an Asian girl, it's like, oh, it's still a person of color. Because let's be real, when you actually look at the script Mean Girls, no one really has to be white. In the musical, they kind of take out that one line that, what's the, what's the line from? She's from Africa, why is she white? yeah. I think they take that out of the musical, so mm-hmm. she, like, doesn't have to be at all. Oh. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She just needs to, She. I guess she just kind of needs to look like she's yeah. not from Africa. <laughs> like, she could be yeah. anything. But as long as she doesn't look like she's stereotypically from Africa. Yeah, and I, I guess we can also kind of talk a little bit about kind of the idea of having the the lead being cast as, as a white person, but then the standby or cover being... A person of color because I've noticed this in quite a few productions I know a lot of like the Disney on Broadway shows will do this <laughs> like I know that we're going to talk about Frozen in a second but um mm-hmm. I've noticed this kind of being a, a trend lately where you know shows get to say that they have super diverse casts because the ensemble and the covers are people of color but then the actual leads of the show are like white actors so I don't know if we want to talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, I think it kind of feels like <laughs> an excuse. <laughs> like that's their, it's their way of saying they have diversity and getting away with it without actually being diverse. Like it's not like they're not being diverse, but the cast that you use as your main cast, especially in original Broadway mm-hmm. productions is the cast that everybody will always picture playing those right. characters, even once they've moved on. Like, you always have that image of the original mm-hmm. cast or the cast that you saw. Yeah. And if that main cast is all white, it's going to be weird when you see people of color who are their understudies or their standbys playing those characters. Yeah. But if the original cast actually does have that diversity and does have people of color in it, then it'll normalize seeing people like that on stage playing these main characters instead of just like having a person of color as an understudy play a character who's normally white for the first time and then us being like, oh my god, yes, and giving them a round of applause for doing that. For an, an example of that would be in Wicked. Yeah. When Brittany Johnson, who was the understudy for Glinda, came on and she was the first black woman to play Glinda on stage. 
And she was just an understudy and everybody freaked out. They were like, oh my God, it's the first black Glinda. And she was amazing. But it's like, why can't she be in the original cast? Like, why can't she be a part of the main cast? Like the official Glinda. Because the thing is, like when you're booking Mm -hmm. a ticket to then see Wicked on Broadway, like you're booking a ticket to see whoever is Glinda right now. I'm not sure who is officially Glinda right now, but you're not you know, guaranteed to see an understudy. You're actually much less likely to see an understudy. So it's Mm -hmm. much more likely that you're going to have the very typical experience of seeing a white Glinda. Mm -hmm. And most of the time people will get upset when they see an understudy or a standby on stage instead of the main person in the role. That's another factor. They feel like they're not getting the full experience when in reality, these actors are just yeah. as capable of playing these characters as the main cast. They just weren't a part of the, I guess you could say, the original vision. So they're yeah. just there to fill in when they're needed. But that's a whole other discussion that we will have an episode about. We are going to have <laughs> yes. an episode about understudies. That's coming. Yes. <laughs> Maybe you should stand okay, by so now, for that. Huh? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, I'm doing a, I'm an understudy for um, a Shakespeare show, and the main cast is white, but I'm the only understudy for the female characters, and I'm like the only person of color in the show. Ooh. Yeah, I I didn't even think about it like that, mm-hmm. but it's true. Like I'm the only understudy for the females in my main cast. Like I love them; they're great actresses. I can't take that away mm-hmm. from them, but it is true. The main cast is white, mm-hmm. and then there's me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can do it, but you're not the right vision. Yeah, yeah and um, we're doing um, a comedy of errors. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And then when it comes to Shakespeare, I feel like there's no... I, since it's so timeless, I don't think there has to be based on color casting. Because like my school no. is like, oh, yeah. we're blind color casting and whatnot. And it's like, oh, it's that's... I'm going to go get into that later. Because I... I told JJ a couple of stories about this, so I'll talk about that later, but, like... <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've, we've already talked about this a little bit, but, Lauren, go ahead and intro the next example. Okay, so we talking about the most... Not toxic, but toxic for anyone 10 and under for Disney. <laughs> hey. Frozen hey, the I, musical. She's just biased. She I has... have a niece, and I've watched his movie a little too. No, I love Frozen. <laughs> say, I, uh, I love Frozen. It's, it saved my life. I love Frozen as well, but I think since I've seen it so much, it's definitely hey, lost I, the magic than, I than what it was. I can watch it times. I haven't seen it on Broadway. I've seen it at Disneyland. <laughs> oh, I will be talking about the performance in Disneyland. Right. Okay, so Sierra Renee... She is currently playing Elsa, uh, and she is a black woman. Well, she was. And then before also Frozen closed. Uh before Frozen closed, COVID, unfortunately. And then also Alyssa J. Fox and then Aisha Jackson were also in a different cast mm-hmm. of they were, Frozen, and they're also they people were of color. understudies, I believe. They're understudies. Yeah, so I think Frozen kind of is falling into the same category as um, Mean Girls, where I think they have a lot of people of color who are playing understudies and then they they get to like advertise and like be like hey like we have a black Anna for some select performances (laughs) yeah so it's kind of that area I think the interesting thing about Frozen is that 
one major change they made from the movie is that Kristoff is tracked as a, a black man now. I'm not sure if that's written into the description of the like audition materials, like if that's like written into like the profile of Kristoff, but every Kristoff that they've cast since Frozen on Broadway came out and then the tour and the London production, Kristoff has always been played by a black man. So I think that that's like their attempt of doing kind of like, I guess, race conscious or like thoughtful race casting where they're not just putting any kind of person of color or like just saying like anyone can do anything. They're trying to specifically give a role to a person of color. Mm-hmm. I don't know how successful it is. I haven't actually seen Frozen on Broadway or, or the stage production of it. So I don't know if mm-hmm. you guys could talk to it more if you've seen it. Oh Has my God. Seen it? I, w- I wanted to so bad. And then my boyfriend was like, no, I don't want to see it. I'm like, Ugh. so I didn't get to see it. <laughs> I'm very disappointing. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, mm-hmm. but I did, I have seen clips of it. Um, not like big profound like clips where I can get the plot. But when I first saw Kristoff, I was pretty amazed, like, to see a person of mm-hmm. color play Kristoff. Because, of course, we, we know that the original Kristoff is played by yeah. Jonathan Groff, the most amazing. I will forever love we him. We love him. Um, <laughs> we do. If, you, if you're... What, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, like, that is the standard where Kristoff is this uh, mm-hmm. very pale yeah. white person. Yeah. And to see it... A person of color play Kristoff, it, it warmed my heart yeah. a bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That was, like, the effect that well, it, it had Well, I believe in the movie, he's white because that's where it is. Because I'm forgetting the yeah, country it is, that's... Cause it's yeah, it's a Norwegian Location story. makes it difficult. It's a Nor- but Norwegian. when you do it yeah. on... Since it's a fairy tale, I feel... Especially when it comes to theaters, yeah. I feel like fairy tales, that could be totally blind casting. Mine is, like, maybe Snow White because of the name. But anything else, I feel like it could be super blind casting. Um, and with Kristoff, Kristoff is written as like this down to sweet kind of hunchy kind of dude. Yeah. And he's kind of supposed to be like in contrast to the super like clean cut princely Hans. Like that's the whole point that mm-hmm. he's like written in opposition of that character. So I think it, it does mm-hmm. make sense for him to be played by a person of color. You know, I can say that, like, that does make sense. I guess I am the one with the most experience with this show, because I, I did catch a, a slime tutorial of it on YouTube. Ooh. Um, <laughs> makes a pretty good slime <laughs> there. Mm. I don't know. It, I, it wasn't my favorite Disney theatrical, Disney theatricals kind of production. It wasn't my favorite. It was a little, it seemed a little rushed, but that was one of the choices that I did actually like. I did like the fact that, that Kristoff was written to be a person of color. I thought that was a really great choice. Now, one thing we did want to talk about a little bit was kind of the issue of colorism in in these shows. Because I know when we were talking about the casting of uh, C.R. Renee when we were first bringing this up, you know, she is a person of color. We are absolutely not taking that away from her. But she definitely is a lot lighter and I think even the Kristoffs that have been cast since the first Kristoff, uh, Jelani Aladdin, have all been much lighter. I'm so not I really think... mad at the fact that they're lighter because that's how they're yeah, born, of course. you know? But it's just, 
the thing that annoys me is that there is so much uproar, especially for the black Elsa, where it's like, oh, why yeah. is she black? And it's like just a little bit of melanin is throwing people off. For example, yeah. <laughs> JJ and this other Asian actress was in Beauty and the Beast um, in our high school, and people had a problem yeah. with it because JJ it's played like, the feather duster. Oh, my God, I forgot about that. And it's oh like, oh, God. why is the feather duster oh. Asian? Why does like, it why have does to it be white? Why is a person playing a feather duster? Like, that's what you have a problem with? <laughs> that's the real question. <laughs> I remember one of our friends, like, asked this person, like, oh, what did you think about the show? I was like, oh, the show was cool. It was just weird how um, the feather duster and the witch were Asian. That's such a like, weird uh, cost. <laughs> yeah. What? What? So ridiculous. Give me their name. I'll fight them. Oh, I don't know the person who said <laughs> I'll it. Fight I don't know who the person who said it, but I know the. I know the person who told us or told me. Yeah. Well, that's definitely well. like. I think I, I remember watching like a video. I think it was of. I think it might have been C.R. Renee. It might have been the understudy for Elsa. What was her name? Alyssa Fox or something. She was mm-hmm. talking about like when they were creating like her Elsa wig. Like, they were trying to figure out, like, what color blonde would, like, fit best with her. Like, they were trying to Mm. to figure out, like, whether they should give her a blonde wig or whether they should, you know, make it, like, more of, like, a light brown. Like, what would work best for her? And, like, I do, like, that is great that they are Mm -hmm. tailoring the character and the, the physical appearance of the character to the actress. But, like, just the fact that... Like, they have to put that much consideration into the image of these characters that they're worried about the shade of blonde they are using. <sighs> you know, like, that's where, that's where as great as I think it is that, you know, people are more open to these colorblind casting decisions. I'm also like, why can't people of color just be cast in roles for them? <laughs> like, we just need yeah, more I- roles that are written with people of color in mind. Mm-hmm. I do think for Elsa, though, it does make sense if she's lighter because she is, like, the whole thing about her is that she's a snow, or she's the queen of ice, so obviously it's going to change her appearance, but if it's for other characters, then why can't... Yeah, like, I know, like, to hop back to Mean Girls for a second, like, Ashley De La Rosa, her uh, Regina wig is slightly different than most of the other Regina wigs, so, like, Regina's always cast as this, like, like, blonde... Uh, character so mm-hmm. like they have a different blonde on Ashley De La Rosa so I know that like you know they do change it a little bit for each person mm-hmm. they also like change I think the costume a little bit to to make each actress feel a little more comfortable um but yeah I think I don't know it's just it, it's an interesting consideration and in that like they when you have to like take all these extra steps in order for people to feel comfortable with the idea of Elsa being played by a person of color mm-hmm. you know yeah it should really be a, a consideration of like like this is what we're putting people of like performers of color through <laughs> that they have to you know jump through all these hoops and expect online backlash just to do the job they're being paid to do mm-hmm. I think since the character is written as white that's yeah. where the whole controversy came from but it's a show. Oh, there. I. I mean, I'm gonna be talking about the Hyperion um, mm-hmm. later on, but it's also coming from directors. Yeah. Uh, so at the Hyperion, there was a 
um, the person who was playing Hans was a, was a black person. And apparently he got a lot of, like, harassment from the replacement director because the original director, after it opened, she moved back to New York. But he, the replacement director was a white man. And he would say, like, during performances, he would give notes like, oh, your performance is too urban, change it. Oh, my God. Or they didn't like his afro, so they were like, like, change it or something like that. But... the one, yeah, the one when they said, like, your performance is too urban. Oh. Even, I watched, like, the clip, like, a clip of him in, like, the, um, Love is an yeah. Open Door. Like, it was amazing. It didn't seem, even if it was, quote-unquote, urban, like, I wouldn't see a problem in it, but, like, it wasn't. <laughs> it was as if, it was like a <sighs> Disney show. Oh my god. <laughs> That's. And it's so weird how just urban is just attached yeah. onto people of color because I, I've heard comments about my voice that my voice could sometimes be ghetto when I'm mad and I never heard myself thinking, oh, I have a ghetto accent, but I've been called out on it and then it just throws me off or it's like, oh, okay, I, I didn't know, I just see yeah. it as me mm-hmm. talking and I... Like, does it take away from what I'm saying? Is it, does that take away from my acting? If it doesn't, I don't feel like it's a necessary comment. Hello, this is Editing Bianca, and I have just realized just how long this episode turned out to be. Because of this, we've decided to split this episode into two parts and record a makeshift ending to the first half, because we are professionals. So anyway, enjoy this last minute edition. Based on what we talked about and the stories we heard today, we have a nice little call to action for you. Starting, as any good essay would, with doing your own research on race-blind casting. Think about the shows you love that may have implemented this method of casting. Consider how they could have done a better job by taking their actors' races into consideration instead of ignoring their implications. These decisions have greater impacts on the shows, the actors, and their audiences than one might initially think. See you in part two, where we will be discussing fully race-blind shows and race-conscious casting. To make sure you don't miss that upload, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Beyond Balcony and reach us directly in our email, beyondbalcony at gmail.com. And while you're there, what do you think of race-blind casting? Do you have any experiences with it within your own productions or productions you've seen? We want to hear from you. This has been Beyond the Balcony with Zoe and Bianca. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and remember to always play to the back row.